Become spellweavers, reavers, rogues, and men-at-arms, and answer the call of adventure. Pick up your sword, your axe, your spellbook, your bow, your rulebook, and your dice, and join the forces of good in their eternal fight against vile monsters, conspiring min-maxers, horny bards, and blood-soaked murder hobos. Discover the treasure trove of role-playing games here on Rollin' Bones. My name is Ryan Howard, and I shall be your guide. Good evening, Boneheads, and welcome to Rollin' Bones with Ryan Howard, your RPG treasure trove. I'm your host and king of the Boneheads, Ryan Howard, and joining us this evening, uh, you guys know him, you love him, you've seen him on Twitter, you've seen him on YouTube, he does his own live streams, he does uh, Gonzo Up Your Ass with Venger Satanis. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Aaron the Pedantic. How's it going? And I'm just going to say, uh, loving me is probably a stretch, but uh, they may have heard of me. <laughs> you know him, you tolerate him, you throw darts at his picture on your wall. Yeah. There we go. There we go. That's better. That's better. <laughs> in, in a lot of ways, I felt like this conversation has been inevitable for quite some time because at, at some point I'm going to give up just mentioning how old everyone in the OSR movement is because I think every time I do... Those of you who watch me are just like, hey, but we we are two young guys making content in the OSR world. So I'm glad that we could finally, uh, you know, bring this together and uh, and, you know, show up here on, on Rolling Bones together. Heck yeah. Yeah. And it's uh, it's surprising just how many uh, younger folks there actually are that are into all this stuff. Uh, whenever I started running my public old school essentials game. Uh, I was surprised to find just how many people were, you know, like maybe younger than me, actually. Uh, you know, we had some people in their 20s. Uh, I think we had one person that was like late teens, you know, like 19, 18, something like that. But for the most part, you know, it, it does tend to be 40s, <laughs> 50s, that kind of thing. Yeah, and I think there's a real there's a real thirst for something beyond what 5th edition or... Uh, either edition of Pathfinder can offer that the OSR has. And that's one of the reasons why I, you know, love the OSR so much. Uh, but we'll get into that in, in great detail, I imagine, tonight. Uh, but to start things off, let's begin here at the beginning and uh, ask you these questions everyone gets asked when they uh, come on Rolling Bones. So, uh, Aaron, how did you get into RPGs in general? Okay, so how did I get into RPGs in general? Well... Uh, I've always been interested in RPGs just because I have a, I've been a big fan of fantasy for, you know, ever since I was a kid. Uh, I didn't read any of the, I didn't read Tolkien, I didn't read Harry Potter or anything like that. Um, I landed on, uh, I think there's a book called The Transal Saga was one of them that I read that I really liked. I think it was Gary Paulson. I, I can't remember the author's name. Uh, and a few, few others that were really kind of more Appendix N inspired. Eventually, I found my way liking uh, the Drist novels, even though I didn't really know much about D&D, other than, you know, there's elves and stuff, apparently. Um, and I didn't, I didn't exactly grasp what D&D was until 
really, I was about to start playing it, honestly. Um, before that, I had played the video games. You know, I had played uh, Neverwinter Nights. I had played uh, Demon Stone, uh, Baldur's Gate, you know, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know exactly, like, what you do whenever you play D&D, other than just the, uh, the little um, 8-bit D&D uh, Flash movie. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Vaguely. Vaguely, okay. It's it's pretty funny. I recommend sometime you look it up. It's uh, it's just a, a rendition of you know some cliche people playing playing D anD D and you know Mountain Dew and Doritos and mm-hmm. you know uh, roll to see if I'm getting drunk. You know if there are any girls in the tavern, I want to do them. Mm-hmm. You know that kind of thing. Uh, but anyway, like that's that's like the the most I really knew about it. It wasn't until um, one of my friends, well, actually now friends, but but. Uh, Basically, my so my wife was invited to a D and D game, and uh, she was like, "Well, you know, I want to see if my if my uh, boyfriend at the time, me, um, would be interested in going, and and can he come too?" And they said, "Yeah, I guess." Uh, you know, they were saying there weren't enough women there, you know, so they needed to, they needed to try and you know up the female count, increase the estrogen in the air, and they're like, "I guess we'll accept the the man too," I you know. Um, and uh, she's like, hey, do you want to do this? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I've been wanting to forever. So um, what actually, ironically, what, what brought me here is technically in a way critical role. It's kind of what got me there because the only reason that that game was being run was because the DM came out of retirement after, I assume, running third edition. I don't think he did fourth edition. I don't know that he was around in second but uh, he, was, he was like, wow, this Critical Role thing is cool, and 5th edition sounds cool, so I'm going to run a game. And uh, then the next thing you know, uh, you know, there's this game that I'm invited to, and I fall in love with the damn thing. Although I start saying, yeah, you know, there's something kind of weird about this 5th edition and this Critical Role stuff. It doesn't you know, fit the, the fiction that I grew up with, that mm-hmm. I fell in love with, you know. So that's basically how I got started. Uh, and that was not terribly long ago. I, I've only been in the biz for about... Uh, I guess about four, four or five years, somewhere on there. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, do you ever joke that your wife was a diversity hire? I have never <laughs> made that joke, but I will now. Chelsea, you're a diversity hire. <laughs> She's okay with that. As long as she gets a job. I don't think you're allowed to be on here. Go no, away. Go away. <laughs> No women allowed. This is D and D talk. Yeah. You Yo, we we hired you to be the poster child. Make it look like we care about women. Yeah, <laughs> we just need you on the brochure. Yes, <laughs> it it is always fun to to play D and D with your spouse. It was the reverse for me. I had to kind of force my wife to play in a game that I was running, but that can be an interesting set of circumstances. Especially when you're behind the screen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm interested in how that 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 turned out. Uh, well, so clearly, my... clearly, you didn't do t- you didn't do so bad that she ran away. So you're no, she she's still here, fortunately. <laughs> uh, but my, uh, I was accused. I ran a game for my whole family at one point just because I was finally able to convince everyone to you know play some D and D and see what the crazy thing that Ryan is into was all about. And I was accused in that game of showing favoritism to my wife, but it was a joking criticism and, and everyone had fun anyway, so it ended up being pretty good. 
That's awesome. Yeah, I've uh, you know, I've I've had some a little bit of game time with uh, with family members, but for the most part, you know, they're they're it's just not their cup of tea. The most mm-hmm. I've I've been able to success I've had is you know, the wife. You know, she actually really loves D and D. It's just a matter of having the time to play. And uh, then then my oldest daughter is uh, like mildly interested. She's amused by it, even though she's a little murder hobo. <laughs> Seems like all kids would kind of start, or most kids would start in that uh, particular position. I know one of my friends runs uh, games for kids after school, and he says, like, a lot of them will immediately be like, I want to cut the tooth out of the dragon, or I want to do this insanely dark thing spawned from the anarchic imagination of a child, (laughs) just just because they can, because they were told they could do anything. Yeah, it's it, so basically, you know, I have I have three daughters and my oldest was the one that wanted to be the murder hobo. She's also one that wants to like just take no time to just go to the next room and see what's in the next room. And she has no patience whatsoever. <laughs> uh, the other the other two, they're both uh, around six and seven, that area. And uh, for them, you know, like I, I'm all like, yeah, you get back home and there's a dragon living in your house. And, you know, they're, they're all like, oh. Well, I'm gonna find you a new place to live, Dragon. Don't you worry, you know. Uh, <laughs> so, like, completely different tone, you know, completely different direction, you know. And uh, well, I mean, with that one, I wasn't running like D and D, D and D. I was just yeah. like, you know, roll a dice and you know, like, tell me what your powers are, and we'll we'll do whatever. But uh, they had fun with that. So, now of the game systems that you've played, uh, you know, from your very beginnings up until now, what would you say is your favorite, if you had to pick one? Okay. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to say Dungeon Crawl Classics, just because that one is... I, I, can, I can use that for just about any purpose and really love it, as far as uh, having a fantasy game. Because it's... It's such a simple chassis that you can just put whatever you want on it, but it still has enough meaningful stuff on there to end up with really interesting things that you can shake from that tree. Um, you know, the the way that you have the warriors with their mighty deeds makes for a situation that it's never really boring to play a warrior because, mm-hmm. you know, ten, uh, 5 to 10% of the time, maybe eventually even higher than that, you know, you're having awesome crits where you might even just decapitate somebody in a single blow. And I've had it happen, you know, at the table uh, a, f- a couple times. Um, you know, you're you're being able to just declare that you're going to do this cool thing. And as long as you roll the die, you know, the deed die well enough, that, uh, then something cool is going to happen. It's not just, just a standard attack. And I like that whenever you're having com- uh, combat rounds that are so short, you know, as opposed to like the one minute long. With that, it's like, <laughs> uh, you know, it kind of doesn't make as much sense. But with uh, with six seconds to ten seconds, it's like, yeah, you know, we're doing blow for blow. So yeah, you knock them down. You know, you uh, you strike from above, all that kind of stuff. Um, the the wizards, you know, the way that it handles wizards oh, yeah. uh, makes it makes it where like wizards are always going to be kind of interesting. They're always going to feel a little bit different than the last one you played. Um, there, I mean, there are a lot of systems that do that, but that was uh, DCC was the first one since I played. Um, fifth edition other than dragon age rpg that i felt like kind of had wizards feel a little bit more special you know mm-hmm. fifth edition the wizards are just like well you get you get a cool little perk or two and uh you know you get to you get to the actually write 
uh, you know, spells from your college and your, your spell book a little bit cheaper. It's like neg- negligible cost anyway. Yeah. So it's, it's like, who gives a shit about what college of wizard I am, generally speaking. Um, so DCC makes that incredibly interesting. The cleric. The cleric doesn't feel, you know, just like, like I don't know, like a holy magic wizard thing. You know, like, I'm not knocking the, the, the old school Vancean magic casting of of uh clerics you know because i still i like that as well i like i like it in the older stuff more so than in 5e Hmm. but um but the way that they handle uh the the lay on hands and the 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 cure diseases and things like that you feel more like you are a miracle worker rather than uh somebody who's just you know having access to a certain kind of spell Hmm. you know um just recently, uh, somebody was making an argument about how they feel like uh, wizards should have access to healing magic, and I'm like, well, you know, you wouldn't really be having that thought process if if it were if it weren't treated like it's just another spell, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, and then you know, thieves are okay, I guess. They they they're they're the way the way that they handle luck and just the luck system in DCC makes thieves really darn cool. Mm-hmm. So I mean, all around, there's just nothing but good shit in DCC. Oh yeah, uh, and uh, that's that's probably why I'd have to go with that. It's just very punchy. You know, you can you can have an awesome campaign. You can have an awesome few sessions. Um, it just just it does get a little wacky in the higher levels. But mm-hmm. That's that's to be expected. Yeah, Dungeon Crawl Classics is the first book I've read where the wizard truly like every time you cast a spell there's this sensation of maybe i shouldn't be doing this this could end up going very very bad for me Mm -hmm. and i love the fact like magic people don't think about this very often a lot of times people just think of magic as a a superpower basically Mm -hmm. but magic if if you think about it the way that the you know appendix n fantasy writers wrote about it you are literally wielding the forces of creation and destruction as a mere mortal. Uh, you better hope that you made the right hand gesture and that you use the right components and all this and that everything goes off uh, perfectly without a hitch. Otherwise, someone other than your intended target is going to be uh, you know, maimed, injured, or killed in some grotesque way, including yourself. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and I, I think it's e- even a, a fantastic expression of the system. When even if you do your spell properly, if they try to counterspell you, uh, then you could end up having this cataclysmic event happen. Mm-hmm. You know, you can get warped into a, another dimension and have a wizard duel. You know, over <laughs> uh, the you know a lake of fire or something like that until mm-hmm. one of you dies. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know it's just it's just great. It, it just it just completely encapsulates these awesome feelings that uh yeah you're right they're just not there whenever we just look at it like oh it's a superpower pew pew you know yeah and then with the clerics uh just just to kind of echo what you said professor dungeon master uh, if you're familiar with his content he he has a whole video on clerics and how 5e doesn't do a great job of saying that, you know, a cleric is not going to be as uh, willing to heal you if you don't necessarily, you know, line up with their beliefs. You don't even, like, 
worship their god or uh you know anything anything like that uh he even says like there should be a certain day of the week you don't adventure because that's your holy day dcc while it doesn't do all of that does a lot of that great and does a lot of that has a lot of that flavor already built into what a cleric is especially with the these powers work better on people who match your alignment Mm -hmm. uh whereas it's a little bit trickier to do this to the the chaotic thief than it would be to the uh the lawful good fighter yeah absolutely you know, as much as we like to say that uh, people are going to be great players that will take those into, cons- into consideration, they'll be like, oh, you know, we are of differing alignment. Maybe I shouldn't heal you. Uh, it does actually speak for itself whenever you have those things built in mechanically because, you know, uh, DCC is one of the few times that I've run a game where I didn't have to remind the players, you know, that they need to be thinking about those kinds of things. They need to be thinking about alignment. DCC is like, uh, yeah, you're going to think about it all right, because, you know, your 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 uh, healing is actually going to be quite inadequate. And there's a pretty good chance that you might piss off your deity. So absolutely. And a shout out to crafty Matt Craft here in chat with the uh, the Robert E. Howard reference. I definitely appreciate that. Hey, there came Ryan. I, I appreciate it. I appreciate it greatly. <laughs> I've I've talked about this uh, with you know several times on the show and stuff. I don't think I've actually. I know I haven't told you this. You might have seen it somewhere. I am actually related to uh, Robert E. Howard very distantly. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, it is one of my favorite things to brag about. <laughs> one, yeah, I don't have anything my, cool like that. One of my favorite things to brag about that I have absolutely no uh, sense of pride or shouldn't have a sense of pride in. It's like uh, when George Carlin talked about being proud of your country, you're proud of something accidental. Yeah. That, that's yeah. that for me. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? It's still cool. It's, you know, it it's, it's cooler than anything I happen to have. So uh, it is it is great. Great kudos to you, sir, for uh, for your for your name and circumstance. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Crafty Matt, all Conan and Howard fans are welcome here. Uh, even if you like the Jason Momoa movie, you, Ooh. you, you're, you, you, you can hang out with us. It's fine. <laughs> I, I couldn't get past like the, the, the opening with, uh, Ron Perlman doing, uh, I there was something that he did in, uh, in like very early on. I, I can't remember it. It was just so goofy. I, I couldn't, I couldn't handle it. It was right before he died. Right before Ron Perlman's character died, I I can't remember that either. It, yeah, it, I was I was so sad too because I wanted to like it. I love I love. Now I'm I'm a heathen bastard. I own uh, I own uh, a few Conan books. I haven't read them yet. Um, and as far as like the movies go, I've watched you know like the the old Conan movies. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I need to uh, I need to enlighten myself. I have yet to do so, but but when, I've always always loved the old Conan movies with Arnie, <laughs> and uh, so whenever I saw that there was one with Jason Momoa, I was like, oh, Jason Momoa, that dude's cool. Like he's gonna do a great job, right? And then no, I ended up turning it off within like fifteen minutes. Thank God I didn't pay for it. <laughs> one thing that I will say, uh, since you're so like wrapped up and involved in RPGs. Uh, I recommend that you start with the story, the tower of the elephant, 
because as mm. soon as you read that story, every every aspect of a dungeon crawl and where that concept came from will automatically make sense. Okay. Yeah, I had that. Uh, that happened for me whenever I read uh, Jewels in the Forest, uh, Fritz Lieber, mm. um, the Fafford and Grey Mauser oh, yeah. story. And uh, then I also decided I was going to have to have, uh, you know, a ceiling try and kill people in one of my dungeons because, <laughs> you know, you can't read that and then not be like, well, you know, I'm never going to use that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, Bowser, Bowser's use here in, uh, in chat. Um, honestly, yeah, I agree with you. Momoa does not have any range. Um, and yeah, I, I definitely, uh, <laughs> yeah, I love that Dune movie. I, I really did enjoy it. I'm a huge Dune fan, but he really was just kind of playing himself. It worked for Duncan Idaho because Duncan Idaho does not have a whole lot to him. I'll say he's just kind of there in the book, but yes, he, he was Jason Momoa. Now, uh, moving on from there, uh, cause if we fall down the dune rabbit hole, we'll be here all night. Um, <laughs> When we play these games for a long time, we start to kind of, you know, develop our own styles, both as players and GMs. So if you had to describe your play style as a GM and as a player, uh, how would you do so? Okay, well, I'll start with GM. So my play style as a GM, I mean, I'm still I'm still developing my craft. You know, I'm not I'm not one of these people that has been doing this for decades and decades and has seen and seen and heard almost it all you know uh and all that kind of stuff there's still a lot of kinks that i end up having to iron out so a lot of times um my general style is that i try to be as uh forthcoming as i possibly can about how i do things and uh as impartial as i can because one of the things that i learned whenever i was starting to run games at first was that i can be a huge damn pushover and uh, that doesn't make for fun games, in my opinion. If you have uh, the ability to, you know, uh, browbeat your DM into, you know, having every advantage that you want, then ultimately you're not really engaging in the, uh, the environment as it was designed, most likely. You're, you're eking out every little benefit. And so a lot of what I've tried to do is try and use uh, procedures and things like that in order to... Um, allow myself to be less partial and, you know, just be like, okay, uh, there's probably, you know, like this percentage likelihood that that would be the case or something like that. Whenever it's something that's, you know, not accounted for or whatever, um, something I didn't expect, because that's a lot of times how they get you is, you know, something that you just didn't expect at all, uh, that just completely blindsides you. And then you're left, you know, having to think completely on your feet, um, and there, there would be times where they would propose something and I would be like, oh, yeah, yeah, there's no reason why that, or whatever. Um, so, you know, I, I guess uh, being forthright about how I do things, um, being uh, honest with my roles, you know, uh, showing the roles. Like, uh, I, the only time I ever use a Dungeon Master screen now is basically if I legitimately have charts that I need on there. I don't use them to obscure my roles. 
um, I'll roll in public. There are very there are some rolls that I'll do privately. Those are the ones that in uh, first edition basically Gary says you should roll privately. You know the ones like uh, uh, hiding in shadows and you know those kinds of things. Whenever the players do those kinds of rolls because mm -hmm. they don't need to know if they're successful. That's you know it would actually be uh, not in their best interest to know. Right. Um, but. Uh, I, I guess um, I would say open-ended. I, I don't like I don't like railroad stuff. Um, I feel guilty if I introduce them into a scenario that is incredibly railroaded. In fact, um, they're they're actually it's one of the unfortunate things about DCC is that uh, while a lot of their content has they have fantastic adventures in a lot of ways, some of them are incredibly railroady. And so I had some episodes of pure frustration whenever I'm running. A scenario and i'm like wow this thing really expects me to just funnel them in you know to this very specific outcome at every step and i just hated it so i tend to favor more open-ended play uh mm -hmm. whenever i'm running things honestly whenever i'm playing things too um whenever i'm a player i'd say that i tend to I tend to kind of sit in the background for the most part uh, and make sure that everybody gets a chance to do their thing. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know why I do that. I guess like I, I just don't want to uh, step over everybody or anything like that. Um, and I usually try and find uh, a, a niche that hasn't been you know grabbed very well. I try to make that my thing and do it very well. Mm -hmm. So... A lot of times that ends up with me being a cleric because I like being a cleric and a lot of times people, other people don't like being a cleric. Mm -hmm. So I end up doing that and uh, just, you know, trying to play the hell out of it, you know. Um, and I usually try to play um, into archetypes, you know. Uh, that was one of the things whenever I start, when I first started playing, I wanted to subvert archetypes all the time. Uh, I wanted to be the... Uh, the orc sorcerer, you know, the orc wizard, that kind of thing, and and trying to be, um, I don't know, like the happy-go-lucky good guy warlock, you know, that sold his soul to the devil, you know, that kind of thing. Hmm. Uh, and nowadays, it's not so much as interesting to me. Nowadays, it's uh, a lot more interesting to lean into the archetypes, uh, to play, you know, the, the courageous, uh, charismatic leading fighter, you know, hmm. that just loves the thrill of battle and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and then to find the subtleties about the character that's interesting and let that develop over the course of play rather than be something that I predetermined. Uh, so I'd say, I think that that about covers it. Yeah. I, I definitely need to, to shout out the, uh, the archetypes thing. I think what we need is a renaissance of archetypes. We need, people to realize that the those things became not cliche but you know they, they're things that people rely on in stories for a reason they they've lasted this long and become the standard for a reason and it's mm -hmm. it's because they work it's because they work well and they give you a good foundation they make sense uh and they allow you to then expand on the the firm foundation that you have built of the you know like you said courageous uh charismatic leading warrior or the uh 
kind of the the dark and brooding warlock who sold his soul to the devil. All of these things, they just, they fit, they work, they make sense. And once you have that foundation, you can then build on it. But -hmm. if your foundation's weird and lopsided, then everything you build on it's going to be weird and lopsided. Yeah, yeah, that's that's tended to be the thing that I've noticed because, you know, I do play with a lot of people that they still like to do the the subverting stuff. And what I tend to notice is that a lot of times it just, it feels very two-dimensional and gimmicky. Uh, and so because of that, you know, it kind of seems to grow a little stale. I, I don't, a lot of times, you know, they, and I, I, I honestly, I hope that uh, none of the people that play with me uh, <laughs> stumble on this. But like one of the things that, that um, sometimes they'll, like some of the people I play with will say is, uh, man, I love your character. Your character is so interesting or whatever. And it's like, my character's literally just a grumpy old wizard. You know, <laughs> he's just he's just a grumpy wizard who wants to know as much as he can because it's it get, makes him powerful and he's kind of an asshole. You know, yeah. like that's it. You know, it's like you could get that from Jack Vance and you, oh, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's uh and it didn't require much thought at all or you know, people that liked uh you know, my um my cleric. I mean, in that case the 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 players in that game uh in the uh, my second edition game like they understand archetypes and leaning into those things and stuff like that but you know like a lot of uh, like they they've said that they liked my character and my character was basically like well okay i'm an agriculture nature-based cleric that um it has a low intelligence so i'm going to make him sound like a dumb redneck and i can do that because i'm a texan mm-hmm. so uh you know i have i have uh i have that privilege mm-hmm. but um yeah, i'm a north yeah, carolinian you know, i'm right there with you Heck yeah! <laughs> we should not have the barbecue conversation. Neither of us are going to be happy with that outcome. <laughs> Probably not. I'm not. I'm not a big barbecue <laughs> purist. I just love eating it. So hmm. you know. Uh, although I, I do, I do think that sauce belongs on barbecue. I do. There are a lot of people I know that are like, just smoke it, and the meat's fine. And you know, you don't. If you have to put barbecue sauce on it, then you did it wrong or whatever. But I say screw those people. I like. I like. I like my sauce. Absolutely. And I will say that the best brisket I ever had was in Texas. So there's that. You'll have to let me know where you got it. It was hard to eat. In, uh, I went to the one in Koppel. It was actually at North Texas RPG Convention. Oh, okay. Okay. I'll have to see if I can find that place sometime. There are... I've heard that there are a couple just kind of around the DFW area. I don't know how like far and wide they are or, or what town specifically they're in. I just know the the one that was closest to uh, North Texas RPG Con was the one that was over in Koppel. And it was, it was the first time I'd ever been. It, it was the first time I'd ever been to Texas was that convention. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I drove over there and I was just like, this this neighborhood is nice. <laughs> yeah speaking of uh how did you feel about north texas rpg con oh i loved it that that is the best convention experience i have ever had and i got to play deadlands with shane hensley the creator at another convention uh so for it to dethrone that is i mean it, that was a fun fun convention mm. Yeah, I I, I de- absolutely loved it. Uh, I I'm just kind of depressed that I didn't catch more of it, you know, because uh, I I arrived like Saturday, I don't know, afternoon, and uh, I stayed there until maybe like I don't know, ten o'clock at night or something like that. And 
I didn't even get to make it, you know, to the the midnight auction, which sucks because uh, I heard that that's a lot of fun. Oh yeah. Uh, and then you know I slept in a little bit too much on Sunday, and then by the time I got there, a lot of people were packing up and leaving. I was like, what the crap? Y'all didn't tell me you were gonna do this, you know. And I was scrambling for some last minute interviews. I got to sit down with uh, Matt Finch for a while, which was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, Matt's a great guy. I love Matt. He is. He is. You know. That's what's really awesome is, you know, a lot of these uh, OSR creators, they're they're just chill, humble people, you know, like they just they're just they just want to talk with you about games and share the love, you know, and uh, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. None of them seem to have, you know, their none of them, their heads are too big or anything like that. You know, mm-hmm. they'll they'll take the time and talk to somebody that they've never heard of before. So yeah. that's 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 cool. I, I appreciated that. <laughs> yeah, at least a, I would have been I would have been surprised if he had heard of me because <laughs> I feel like I'm too edgy but it's a it's a fun and and unique experience to just be like walking around the hallways and then you turn a corner and there's Zeb Cook just walking around amongst mm-hmm. the people yep yep at uh yeah I was a little bit as a little bit starstruck by some mm-hmm. of them that's to be sure uh, the, like with uh, Janelle Jaquez, uh, the most I was able to manage was, "Hey, I like your work," <laughs> and then I walked away. <laughs> she was like, "Thanks," you know. Uh, but yeah, they were. Everybody was really cool, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm I'm really looking forward to going next year. Next year, I'm gonna I'm gonna actually take time off. I'm gonna run games there. I'm gonna do it properly, you know, so that way I can get the full experience rather than just like maybe twelve hours worth, you know, when uh, most of the people are already heading out. Or too busy. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I hope I get to go this year. There there are circumstances that might prevent me uh, being able to go, but I, I hope I, I get to go. I hope you do, too. It'd be cool to get to play with you, man. Absolutely. And if I go, I will be running something. Nice. Any idea what you would run? Yeah, so I've got a... I'm working on uh, a game called Night Haven right now. It's, it's a setting-slash-series-of-adventures... Uh, right now, it's just in 5th edition because that's what I'm most familiar with. Mm-hmm. It's kind of my attempt to OSRify 5th edition and to add a little bit of, like, Lankmar into 5th edition. Okay. But at some point, I'd love to be able to, like, turn it into a DCC setting and, you know, have, like, DCC modules for it. Those are really the, the two places that I'd focus would be, you know, DCC and 5th e- fifth edition Mm -hmm. uh but you know right now it's still i'm developing it that's the game we're playing on the stream uh every now and then and so it would be something in night haven okay so uh how far how far into it are you as far as the development goes uh i have everything worked out i just need to put it into a document okay okay all right. So, uh, did you like redo the class structure, or uh, are they just like new subclasses? Or uh, so everything's the same. It's a lot of just like recommendations, mm-hmm. and there there are a couple different supplements that people have put out that make Five uh, E work a little bit more like an OSR game. The mm-hmm. best one that I've run into is Five uh, E Hardcore Mode by. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hanker Infernal, it is, it's very good. It, it really does kind of make 5e feel a little bit more like, uh, 
like one e or like uh you know second edition ad and d it it really is a, a cool system that simplifies a lot of things and and makes it feel more old school and a lot more deadly mm-hmm yeah, that that seems to be uh, a lot of a lot of the thing that people are clamoring for with fifth uh, edition that they don't seem to feel satisfied with is uh, that it's just a little bit little bit too forgiving. Mm-hmm. So I mean that that tends to be the focus is the um, the desire to make it a more deadly game. But uh, one of the things that I've been really enjoying, uh, you know, with first uh, edition and second edition is uh, the Inclusion of things that make like time and money and your your consumption thereof in the game, um, you know, just the progression of things and try and make the world come to life, make you take your time mm-hmm. developing the campaign and having all kinds of different factors that that feature in. Uh, I feel like, you know, that's something that that could also be interesting to see more of. You know, if I if I were to if I were to do something for 5e like my own try try to take on the system it would probably be something to bring that stuff into effect i kind of thought that's what they were going to do with the level up 5e thing but um i had a peek at it and it looks like it's just glorified more combat complexity for the most part (laughs) which you know i'm like i mean i could take that i guess but you know i i don't that's not really what i would want to see you know that doesn't make 5e any better to me personally yeah the the complexity of combat is not my issue with 5e combat mm-hmm. 5e combat is as simple as it needs to be the problem is it just takes too long yeah yeah so if, I mean, adding complexity is not gonna it's not gonna <laughs> do you any favors really yep uh yeah so uh how do you how do you feel about those kinds of um you know uh resource not, not really resource but uh like the domain mechanics and and things like that from like uh, AD and D and you know the the things that make you um, you know find find more ways for the players to spend money to constantly desire money and be thinking of what they're going to do with what time they have and all that kind of stuff. I I do really really like that particular uh, side of things because there there is a point at which. You're just like, what do we do with all this money? Especially, <laughs> yeah. especially in fifth edition, where it's very easy to just. Uh, I've I've heard people call it multi Monty Hall style games. I'm mm-hmm. very guilty of this, where you're just like magic items, money. Mm-hmm. Here's everything your heart could ever desire, everything to make you as amazing as possible. Uh, and then they're just like, now what do we do? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I've, I've, you know, I've had it pretty bad with that. You know, um, I'm usually the one who's desiring to have the DM be not generous at all and to actually be kind of a pain in the ass. And, uh, and instead, a lot of times what I get is them just throwing stuff at me. Like I, I've even had, uh, G, you know, GMs actually just say, hey, uh, so you, you, you stumble on a, mag- a horde of magic items. Pick the ones that you want. And I'm like, um, <laughs> What do I see there? And they're like, no, no, no. Get and in, go into the dungeon master's guide. Oh no, no, no. And pick the ones you want. <laughs> and I'm like, what? That's no, that's not how this is supposed to work, you know? Like plus I didn't I didn't I don't feel like I earned this, you know. Uh so hmm. I you know, there are people that they play the game for the social interaction, you know, with other players. They play it for 
the ability to, to express their character, you know, to, to, to do the voice, to, uh, to write their, their fanfic backstories and stuff like that. Um, and, you know, like they're going to be happy with, with 5e being played that way, you know, even with the Monty Halls and whatever, probably. But, you know, there are different tastes, you know. And uh, my my particular taste is I like to feel like uh, like I earn everything I get that I'm being properly challenged and that the uh, the world is something that that we can you know delve into in a in a real significant way and we're not just uh, you know like hitting little little tourist attractions on this uh, grand epic adventure path that that is being laid out before us you know i don't i don't like being just actors in a play basically mm-hmm. absolutely uh crafty and matt's making some some good points here in chat uh, there definitely is a lot of uh onus on the on the dm to make sure that you're not just kind of overpowering uh your players uh just on that side uh with the no ammo or weight tracking I try to do that in a very common sense way. I do make players track their ammo. I don't make them ex- like explicitly track the amount of poundage they're carrying just because that's a lot. Uh, what I do with that is common sense, where if someone's just like picking up a lot of weapons, I'm going to be like, how many weapons are you carrying right now? And if they're like, oh, I got like two long swords and stuff, I'm going to be like, no, 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 no. Something's, you got to drop something on the ground right now. Yeah, that's, that's a, that's a good way to go. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen, um, there, I mean, there are a few uh, different RPGs that have done this, but uh, Lamentations of the Flame Princess has a, uh, a, it's basically a point system. Uh, So, you know, it kind of, it kind of, breaks down like a big item is this many points a small item is this many points and then you know like this many coins will be one point mm-hmm. and um then like you get a bonus to how many points you can carry based on your strength and so it just it makes it a little bit easier than i've also seen some that do like slot systems and uh those i you know i don't really uh i'm i'm okay with coin weight i did that with um with uh, old school essentials, I'm going to do that with AD and uh, But at the same time, it doesn't it doesn't hurt my feelings. I'm not offended if we use some kind of abstractions to make the process easier uh, on the players and make it so that they're not actually having to, you know, count count the pennies and all that kind of stuff. Um, I don't mind doing it whenever I'm a player in my my second edition game, even though. Um, we, you know, we're, we use roll 20 and a lot of that stuff, uh, I, I think it calculates for you. I, not necessarily, cause I do have to like tweak some stuff here and there, but, um, you know, even then it's just, it's just, it's not a big bother for me, but, uh, I'm not a purist about it either. Um, and you know, depending on the game you play, it might not even be a big deal at all. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't, uh, you know, give people a hard time for not doing any kind of encumbrance tracking at all. I mean, it's just a matter of what if you if you're going to get something out of it, basically, that's hmm. that's the main thing. Yeah, it's it, it's one of those mechanics that's there so that you aren't able to just like have a weapon for every single possible situation. You're gonna you're gonna find yourself in situations where you have the wrong weapon for what you're going mm-hmm. up against. And uh, 
in that case, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, like common sense rule it, but I'm never going to expect anyone to like actually keep track of the weight number itself just because there's a certain amount of we're here to have fun. We're not here to do math, even though we're having fun doing math, but it's, it's little things like that where abstractions, hand waving, uh, that kind of stuff is where I would land on that. But there needs to be something there. Otherwise, uh, you're, you're going to have the monster that's immune to slashing damage. And someone's going to be like, well, it's a good thing I brought my rapier. You're like, mm-hmm. where were you keeping that rapier? <laughs> Yeah, I will say this. Uh, I have had a few instances where um, encumbrance played a very interesting uh, role in things. So uh, in um, Old School Essentials, which is basically just BX for any, anybody who listens who doesn't know, um, one of the things that, that they have on there is uh, basically the more weight you have, the uh, the slower your, your movement speed is going to be. And whenever you compare that compared to the monsters and all that kind of stuff, um, what ends up happening is, yeah, your magic user is uh, very poorly protected, but they sure can run a hell of a lot faster than your fighter because your <laughs> fighter's got on plate and you know, chances are they're carrying around heavy weapons. Mm-hmm. So who's going to get eaten? <laughs> you know? And uh, th- so actually I had a player once say, Aaron, um, you know, with these rules, like, we can never outrun the monsters. And I'm like, no, you, you really can't. You can drop some gold or drop some food and hope that they fall for it. Uh, or you can trip whoever you like the least. And that's about it. Absolutely. <laughs> and as long as, like, like I said, as long as it adds to your game, if it doesn't add to your game, if you're not interested in that kind of dynamic, then skip it. You know, who gives a shit? You know? Absolutely. And Crafty Matt made another point here in chat. Uh, a lot of DMs, really just kind of ignore that the DMG exists. I will say, uh, for most for most DMs, it's just a list of magic items, because that's where they're mm-hmm. kept. Uh, but yeah, there, there's a lot of... If you really dig into your DMG, there is a lot of good stuff in there. There's a lot of stuff they thought of, because originally, going all the way back to the, like, I guess 2014 was when they first put those books out, uh, 5e was supposed to OSRFI D&D again. It was very influenced by by a lot of the uh, OSR stuff that had come out in the wake of 3.5 and 4E. And so a lot of that desire was still there, but it's just kind of gradually been beaten out of the game as things have gone on and, and uh, you know, the influence of Critical Role and stuff like that has turned it into uh, we're just friends sitting around telling a story. God, I hate that. I Yeah. I, I don't know I don't know if we so yeah critical role I think plays a pretty strong effect in it but Wizard of the Coast has been really oh yeah really making it easy you know mm-hmm. like whenever anytime they're they're doing their their tweets they're doing their uh, their videos you know uh, Dungeons and Dragons they'll always be like oh it's collaborative storytelling and all those kinds of things and I'm like oh, why do you do this you know it, it's it's not that if you're if you're doing that then you're 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 tossing the you know the, the game out the window and you're just you're just having drama time which is fine like people can do that if they want to but like that's not what you what the rules cover <laughs> you know <laughs> like all the all they're doing is they're just selling you a bunch of fluff and then telling you to 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 not look at the what the the game actually is you know 
Hmm. Um, I get I get mega triggered by that, so I, <laughs> I apologize. Yeah, and I I've <laughs> used that one before, uh, unfortunately, just because it's it's a lot of. Uh, it's how I've like explained to to my normie friends or my parents yeah. what what we're doing, yeah. Uh, just because it's a simple thing that they can all understand. But it's, I'll say, role playing. Uh, well, D and D specifically is collaborative storytelling in the same way that professional wrestling is collaborative storytelling. It's technically <laughs> correct, but it misses a very very broad portion of what's actually going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could I could go with that. And as uh, my good friend Luau Lu points out in the chat here, uh, there are systems that let you do just that, but D&D is not one of them. Correct. Correct. Absolutely. Yeah, a lot of times people uh, even refer to games like uh, Powered by the Apocalypse games as being story games, and I don't even find that to be an appropriate way of looking at it. it those are still very distinctly role-playing games. They just allow the player to have some kind of authority over what uh, different outcomes they, they're going to have, mm -hmm. you know, depending on what the role is. Um, so still an, still an RPG. And one of the things that Wizards has kind of done to itself at this point with a lot of the uh, you know critical role influence, I, I don't want to seem like I'm bashing them too, too much. I don't, I've never watched Critical Role. I don't particularly care for it. It doesn't really appeal to what I like about the game or fantasy in general, but I can't say that I hate it or hate any of the uh, people on it. The fans annoy me, but... <laughs> <laughs> I've listened to about 70 or 80 episodes of Critical Role. Gotcha. Uh, and... I, I, I would not want to play in that game, personally. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't particularly like the cast members as people. Like, I, I, I don't dislike them, but you know, I don't have any particular like likeness for them or anything, other than some of the, the characters that they played as voice actors. You know, um, mm -hmm. like uh, Travis Willingham. I always loved uh, Full Metal Alchemist, and he played Roy Mustang. Mm -hmm. uh, so... You know, whenever whenever I saw that he was on there, I was like, okay, I am I am interested. I will check that out. And then, you know, there were a few uh, other uh, characters um, that, like, the, was it Sam and uh, Liam? They both played in uh, Dot Hack GU uh, hmm. game. Um, but in any case, uh, yeah, it's clearly not my my cup of tea. And they definitely have a very interesting fan base. The fan base is eating itself right now and you know i'm just kind of looking on uh mischievously enjoying the carnage hmm. but one thing that i found interesting about a lot of this kind of newer crop of they, they call themselves fans what a lot of them are and i'm again i'm not trying to be that you know grump i'm not trying to be thacko the clown which they have now introduced uh but <laughs> A lot of these people who are calling themselves fans, what they are really is dilettantes. They're here because, uh, you know, Stranger Things mentioned uh, Dungeons and Dragons and that got a whole bunch of people thinking about it. And Critical Role got super popular. And so there are people who otherwise would not be here who now want to be involved in or, or not even really involved in. They just want to be able to talk about rpgs on twitter so it seems yeah. like they are into the hip cool thing 
but they're not sticking and there's not wizards is not putting out things that are creating like sticky uh fandoms it, th- these people are going to go away in a few mm-hmm. years when all of this uh you know stops being cool or stops being in the zeitgeist whenever stranger things is canceled and uh the critical role people decide to do something else with their time uh these people are going to go away and who's going to be left and one thing that I think the OSR is doing better is here's more varied things, more interesting things that are going to get people involved who are going to stay involved. Mm-hmm. And all sides of the OSR, I think, are doing this really well. Even I know there's there's conflict as to who counts or you know who does what. Mm-hmm. But every everyone who is using that term OSR, what I think they're doing really well is they're creating interesting products that are getting people to pay attention and stay longer than they normally would. Uh, what what are your thoughts on that? Do do you think that the OSR is doing a, a particularly good job of that, or you know what what do you think about that? Well, there's there's a reason that uh, you know I fell in love with with the OSR, and you know I've basically turned my back on. Not all modern RPGs necessarily, just uh, just it's just modern D and D for the most part, uh, just because they're it is making um, they are they are offering such profound things. I mean, Five uh, E and, and you know modern D and D is the mainstream uh, common denominator, uh, you know, just gray slush, you know, uh, that they're just feeding everybody. And then you're able to look at some really, really interesting things in not not necessarily just the OSR, but uh, just indie uh, TTRPGs. Period. It's just that I tend to find that the ones in the OSR tend to be better quality um, mm. for for my purposes. You know, a lot of times you see a lot of stuff in the indie scene uh, outside of the OSR, and it tends to be really artsy and just you know um, kind of bizarre. And as far as like actual gameable content, it doesn't really seem, in my opinion, to to hold that much merit. Or it's something that maybe you can play for like a session, yeah. and then you never touch it again. Uh, whereas with the stuff in the OSR, you know, I have uh, worlds that I can play in that are genuinely the thing that your your uh, family should have been afraid of whenever you were growing up. <laughs> you know, not the. Not, not the. Oh my gosh! I just looked at the uh, the monster manual, and it talks about how demons and devils work and stuff like that. You know, no, we're talking about like uh, like Lamentations of the Flame Princess stuff, where you know, uh, you've got some truly you know nightmarish things happening, and mm. it's just awful. And you know, I don't want to have people come over my house and open the wrong book sometimes because <laughs> they will not like what they see. You know. Um, you know, like, like my Carcosa book, for instance, or uh, Death, Love, Doom. Actually, I don't have that in physical, and I don't know that I'm going to get it in physical because that one is a little bad. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, and, and where do I find that kind of stuff? I find it in the OSR, you know, uh, freaking um, with uh, Chalt, you know, uh, Vendor Satanis' stuff, you know. Yep. <laughs> it is gonzo weirdness, but at the same time, it is genuinely good stuff that you can, you can run a, a good game with. And a lot of that is that, you know, they're taking tried and true design philosophies and methods and things like that, 
uh, and they're innovating with those rather than just kind of throwing things at the wall and seeing what sticks. And so you get a you get a taste for the absurd and the strange while still getting something that is functional and uh, practical, and uh, it works. You know, it's 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 great. And I I can I, I see what you're what you're saying about you know people that are going to stick around. Uh, it they're going to have that for them, and literally you know the one of the the games that i had been complaining about for a long time um was uh a game that you know basically the dm ended up just saying to me recently that he was frustrated because you know what all of this epic fantasy you know that we do you know he's he's run a game for a year now and then you know he has the the big bad guy that he's been you know looking forward to introducing the characters to for all this time and then the characters are just these defiant little shits that are just like, oh, you're nothing. You know, we don't care about you. We're just going to kill the shit out of you and, you know, lol <laughs> all day, you know. And uh, and so he's like, you know, I should be able to have a game where, where the bad guy is actually intimidating in some way and that they don't assume that they're just going to be able to trounce the ever-loving hell out of him. <laughs> and, you know, so... I'm slowly winning him to the dark side of the OSR, you know, with with these promises of games where yeah you can you can drop dead uh, with a single few bad die rolls and uh yeah th those people are gonna come they're gonna come hmm. some of them will be won over by you know uh the other uh genre types or you know may maybe a few will go to like a warhammer uh, fantasy fourth edition or something like that but i think a hell of a lot of them are gonna say well you know i i kind of like the D D engine but, you know, I kind of wish it was a little bit more brutal. And then they go off in that direction. Or I kind of wish it was a little bit more weird or uh, fairy-like or, you know, whatever. Hmm. Death metal-like if you, if you want your Mork Borgs. Yeah. But there's, there's one thing that continuously kind of holds people back from realizing there's more to this than just D&D. &D, and that's the... Uh, the the online the terminally online weirdos who are demanding that every every RPG road has to lead to fifth edition or D and D at some point, and that D and D has to be uh, the end all and be all of RPGs. Uh, are, do you ever watch uh, DM Bloodworth stuff on YouTube? We're buds. He's going to be on in a few weeks, but. He did. You saw that uh, debate he did, right? I can't remember who he debated, but the is a uh, J. Scott Garibay. Yeah, mm -hmm. that that conversation was was interesting to me because the the whole notion of uh, you need to play five e because you know whether you like it or not, there's no RPGs without five e. I don't understand that line of thinking at all. Like there are other other games exist. Uh, if you want that, you play those other games but it, it you see the same thing in uh you know in movies on tv shows it's the it's the reason why every thing that you loved in your childhood now has to be changed because it's not enough to have you know th this piece of media uh has what i want in it no this piece of media has to have what i want in it and be popular mm -hmm. is the thing that so many people are demanding and I just find that whole discourse to be beyond comprehension and uh, really it's the, it's the thing that's like tearing the commu 
community. The thing that's tearing <laughs> RPG fans apart. Is I felt this... your internal cringing whenever you said the word community. Yeah. <laughs> Th- this notion that because D&D is the most popular thing, it has to it has to be everything to everyone. I I really don't understand that mindset. No, I don't either. Uh, clearly, they didn't grow up uh, being accustomed to being one of the few people that liked something. And then just, mm-hmm. you know, getting used to having maybe one or one or two people to share that thing with, you know. Uh, growing up where I did, it was not very common to have people that liked uh, death metal and, you know, uh, just hardcore rock and... Um, I don't know, just like nerdy stuff in general. It just wasn't wasn't a big common thing. So I kind of got accustomed to being one of the few that's like, yeah, I know what Final Fantasy is. <laughs> you know, uh, I know what what an, what an anime is. This is back before, you know, uh, people in high school knew what that shit was. You know, yeah. I was like one one of three people in my grade <laughs> that, that knew what that was. And damn it, you get used to it not being popular. Then once it gets popular, you're like, what the hell happened? My special thing. Yeah. My brand. It's been taken. Yeah, you know? it's really the, the people who want their thing to be the popular thing and are apoplectic when it's not. What they don't understand is we're nerds. <laughs> we, we we were used to being the only person who knew anything about whatever it was that we knew anything about. That's we're, we're used to it. We we don't need our our interest to be in the zeitgeist. And then when they are, everything ends up, you know, kind of moving away from where we liked it. It's you know, you're, you're in you're in our territory basically yeah. you you've entered our world and if you're going to mess it up we're just going to we're we're going to be upset sure you you see a lot of that but you're also seeing people just being like you know what i don't need to play something that has a d an ampersand and a d on it i'm going to go play this other thing uh you guys can you know i i surrender this to the vandals i'm going to go over here and make something awesome mhm yeah, I, I get what you're saying. You know, it's it's actually gotten to the point that it's refreshing to play an old school game or really just anything that's not D&D, 5th edition, uh, because of the fact that whenever we show up at the table, we all have kind of a, the same general idea of what we're going to be doing. You know, mm-hmm. because like you said, people try to make everything fall under the net of 5th edition D&D. Yeah. It means that you don't know exactly what you're showing up to whenever, you know, whenever you're you're coming together. And sometimes, I mean, there have been times that I have been incredibly explicit about letting people know what my game is going to be like, and they don't even read the damn thing. They just want to try and show up and play, and they, then then they get shocked whenever it's like, oh, you know, you uh, you actually want us to do some exploring instead of just <laughs> you know just talk in character. You know, uh, oh, you don't you don't want to uh, to take my backstory and incorporate it into this entire campaign like, you know, like it's some kind of recurring thing. And, you know, you don't you don't want to do all that kind of stuff. No, you want me to instead focus on what we can do at the table. You're not going to just just tell me a story and let me let me make a few choices here and then, Mm -hmm. you know, it's it's crazy but but whenever you say, guys, we're going to be playing Morkborg, it's like, oh, okay, so we're going to show up. We're going to die, probably. It's going to be yep. fun. <laughs> you know? Uh, same thing with Call of Cthulhu. It's like, yeah, okay, we have a pretty good idea of what that means. 
you know, at this point, 5e is just like whatever the fuck people feel like, you know, and uh, it's it's kind of a shame. I, I do like the fact that there are, it's not going to be hard for me anytime soon to, to join a game. And that's mm-hmm. partially due, well, I mean, probably quite a bit due to the overwhelming current success of 5th edition. Uh, but the quality of the game is something that has to come into question. And, you know, there I have noticed there are a hell of a lot of people that will try the game for maybe a few months. They'll, they'll think it's really cool. And then they'll put it down and never play it again. Uh, we just got raided. We, raided. We've been, we've been invaded. The Burt coin brought a party. Uh-oh. <laughs> well, uh, good thing that I had a few uh, henchmen, you know, uh, guarding, you know, the, the campsite. So, mm-hmm. you know, they should be having some uh, some burning coal, coals tossed in their heads and things like that. Yep, we got we got crafty Matt Craft and uh, and Lou Alu here in chat with uh, with the Raiders coming in. So, uh, <laughs> but yeah, that, these guys have come in before, so the the coiners are always welcome here. <laughs> but uh, you know, Lou made a good point in here talking about the the two thousands. Neither of us were playing at this point, but there was a time where uh, this uh, this weird. OGL D20 craze took hold and every single game company was just like here is everything with the D&D rules oh we got a lot of people the the, the continuous no- for anyone listening on audio and for Aaron if you uh, have not seen the show the, the continuous noise that you're hearing and the Doc Holiday popping up in the corner is people uh, following which <laughs> I welcome so guys thank you <laughs> but there was this time where everything kind of lost its flavor because everyone was trying to make all of their systems fit into the uh, the D20 rule system. And if we can avoid that at all uh, with 5e, I, you know, I, I'm really glad that there's this... Co- I'm not going to say that word. This infrastructure <laughs> of other systems, other people who are running these different kinds of games, be they OSR, be they... Savage Worlds, another favorite of mine. There, there's all these other great systems that have healthy fan bases where people can can go and find other games so that everything doesn't end up being 5th edition like it was in... Uh, or like everything was 3rd edition or 3.5 in, in 2004, 2005, 2006, right around there, mm-hmm. which really... I, I believe that's where the OSR kind of started, was everyone getting tired of playing the D20 system. Yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of what, what I understood, is, you know, they, they, they realized, hey, uh, with this OGL thing, you know, I could actually just uh, reproduce some of that old stuff for people that don't have it anymore, or never had it in the first place, and, you know, then, then we can make adventures and reference that instead, and uh, so... You know, we have we have our the, the greats like Matt Finch and uh, I think I think Chris Gonerman had some stuff with that with his uh, basic fantasy RPG as well. Um, but yeah, so they uh, they did tremendous things uh, for for the gaming hobby and gotta gotta thank them for what they did. Oh yeah, absolutely. Now, uh, one one thing that. Sorry, I completely just lost my train of thought there for a second. Had a raiding party come in, and suddenly everything just goes out the window. Uh, 
But no, the one thing that uh, someone mentions here, you know, there are thousands of RPGs out there. Um, if if I could encourage anyone, even people who are are turned off by the more abrasive elements of the OSR movement, or you know, whatever your hangup may be. If you want to run, your options are not OSR and 5e. Your options are limitless at this point. So if you want to run a uh, an adventure game where you guys are playing, uh, you know, like teenagers, kids, uh, I am going to push you very, very hard towards uh, Luau Lu's game, Dare Luck Club. Not just because he's here, but because it's an awesome system for that kind of thing. If you want to run your kind of story-based weird romance game uh, about romancing a monarch, you can play for the queen or, you know, any any other variation of that. You can play vampire. There, there's, there's a game for you out there. You don't have to make it all fit in 5e and you don't have to demand that Wizards of the Coast make it all fit in 5e. Because they're trying to do that right now, and it's not working. Mm-hmm. And yes, Kids on Bikes does exist, Password Denied 7, but we're talking about Dare Luck Club here. Because I like it better. I'll have to check that out. It, it's a great it's a great game. Uh, the the I again I'm gonna I'm gonna say this cause cause it's my show, but if you I did an interview with Lu Lu not too terribly long ago. Uh, where we talked extensively about it. So uh, a lot of the rundown is available there. Uh, Lou, is it on drive-thru? Is it available for people to get on drive-thru right now? Awesome. So yes, if that game sounds interesting to you, drive-thru RPG, Dare Luck Club, I'll put it in chat so you can read it. For those of you who can't understand what I'm saying, which shouldn't be most of you, I think I pronounce words very well. (laughs) <laughs> but yes there we go so yeah um one question that i forgot to ask you at the beginning of the show that people are going to kill me if i don't end up asking you and this has nothing to do with anything this is completely out of the blue uh but everyone has to be asked this question when they come on the show and the answer to this question can be as philosophical or as sophomoric as you want it to be aaron if you could put anything on a t-shirt what would it be? Cure for cancer. Just the words "cure for cancer" or the actual? No, cure? no, no. The, oh. the actual cure for cancer. <laughs> you know, like the formula. Okay. You know, just for not, if I could do anything, I'd be yeah. like, yeah, let's do that one. Cancer is a bitch. We'll just <laughs> we'll just nip that in the bud. Just all of them, all the cancer. You know, it goes bye bye. I'm yeah. just picturing some scientist at like a Goodwill, just like looking through the shirt <laughs> rack, being like, "It's right here, it's just right here on the <laughs> All shirt." All this time, all this time, a little little thrift shop in Idaho. What the fuck? <laughs> just walks into the lab the next day, uh, guys. It's it's here. It's on this shirt. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that if you if you if we manage to get this burrito stain off, you know, we should be able to make out the rest of the formula. <laughs> Or even worse, they're just like looking high and low for the cure for cancer. They're running all these models on their computers, and then someone just opens up Redbubble, and they're like, someone's got a shop selling it right now. <laughs> what color do you want? <laughs> oh, man. 
That, that's a great answer. Uh, we haven't had an answer like that in quite some time. Uh, pe- <laughs> people have similarly played around with the rules, but that is, uh, that's a good, that's going on the record books. I, I love that. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so when it comes to your content, uh, where can people find you? What are you typically doing uh, every week? What does content from Aaron the Pendantic, or Pen- Pedantic, I always put an N in that word where it's not. What does content from Aaron the Pedantic look like on a week-to-week basis? Well, uh, I'm not the most regular dude as far as my programming goes. Um, Once a month, I do Gonzo Up Your Ass, uh, which is a show with Venger Satanis, where we talk about uh, Gonzo, metal, and uh, typically 80s movies a lot of times. You know, we kind of devolve into just talking about movies Mm -hmm. a lot of times. we, We have a good time. Uh, we do that once a month on a Tuesday, and usually it's it just depends on what Tuesday is convenient for both of us. So that one's kind of up in the air a lot. Um, you know, I do videos pretty much whenever I get the inclination, uh, which means I'll probably do at least once a week. Uh, you know, basically it just kind of depends on how busy my week is. Uh, and usually my videos are going to be uh, looking at products uh, that are OSR. Um, commentary on some of the some of the scuttlebutt in the role playing game community. Like recently, we were talking about um, the uh, TSR uh, debacle. Uh, we were talking about um, uh, what was the other one? Uh, uh, somebody being upset about a lack of content warnings on uh, Vason, the the new free league RPG. Um, you know, stuff like that. Which uh, one person uh, has has you know very kindly said that that Aaron the Pedantic is a guy that complains about things nobody cares about, and I will <laughs> wear that with a badge of honor. Um, other than that, I occasionally give some advice whenever I find there's something useful that I was able to pull off, even with my meager uh, years of experience, um, or whenever uh, I've found a useful tool or something like that, I like to share it. Um, and But mostly, I just like to talk about cool stuff and my, things that I appreciate. Like, I've just been kind of fanboying over uh, first edition AD and D because it's my first time really giving it uh, giving it the uh, a genuine try. So um, you know, I talk about my readings of the Dungeon Master's Guide and the Player Handbook, and um, I'll be talking about my upcoming uh, Greyhawk game uh, that I'm going to be running uh, starting in January, and there'll probably be some cam- uh, campaign diaries and stuff like that. Um, I do have a blog, but I don't post on it very much anymore, so I need to get back to it. And I'm not one of the very insightful bloggers, so uh, it's it's not a good blog, but it does exist, and you can find that also on my YouTube channel. Um, there's a, there's a link to it there. Uh, I talk a lot of shit on Twitter, so you can, people can find me there. Uh, what else? Um, I have been working on modules uh, that I've written, and you know, like I'll be publishing those again soon. I uh, published and then took them down because I found something that it was, it's kind of complicated, but uh, long story short, I thought I was going to die of COVID. I was like certain I was going to die of COVID. So I was like, I need to publish this now. And then I was like, oh, wait, I didn't die. And this actually ended up being kind of crappy. So I'm going to take it down <laughs> and then and then I'm going to put it back up later whenever it looks better. So, <laughs> so yeah, um, that's uh that's pretty much it, though. So, you know, there will be modules to look forward to if people like stuff that's a little bit 
grim and sometimes uh, bloody and crazy, then, you know, they might like some of the stuff I write. Mm-hmm. And if anyone's looking for uh, recommendations of where to start, uh, the most recent stream uh, that Aaron did about uh, the the TSR most recent controversy uh, that he mentioned, that's a good one. Uh, How AD&D can be better for you than 5e D&D, that's a great one. Uh, the Strixhaven uh, conversation, I thought that was pretty awesome. And then... Uh, my personal favorite recently was How Dare That Mob Boss and the New Player's PC. That was a great conversation. <laughs> um, that whole article situation, uh, making the rounds online, that was just... I, I read the story and I was just like, well, of, of course. Of course that's what happened. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. I, uh, it, what can you say though? There are, there are people that they just, they just have different expectations. And you know, what, what killed me about that was that the, the player actually seemed to have taken it better than a lot of the people that reacted to it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and one thing that I will say, and I said this with Hanker and Fernell on, and he agreed with me, uh, this is good advice for anyone just starting out in RPGs, you're not going to fully understand this hobby unless you play, uh, you know, you can play your your super powerful 5e game where you've got everything, but then you should also play a game that's on the other opposite end where your character starts out in poverty and has to really scrap their way up to the top. You need to find your, uh, your outermost limits of this is... You know, this is the far extreme of how powerful you can be, and this is how lowly and beat down your character can be. And then find the place in the middle where you like your game. Mm-hmm. There, are so, there are so many people who only play the powerful. No one really plays only the, like, poverty games, except for the people who started out in the 70s. Uh, but no one, like, modern players tend to just kind of lean on the powerful and you you really need that other side even if you never want to play another osr game again you need to know what it is and what it's like just for one session just just to know like the the breadth of what this hobby can offer so anyone out there who is not sold on osr or you think that we're being mean making fun of you for being so precious about your character play one of these games and see what you think about it then come back and and you can continue telling me that i'm a jackass or maybe maybe just maybe you'll come around to my point of view and and think that i'm right but you know at least know what's out there know know the options that you have absolutely that's, I mean, that's a large part of what got me to try the OSR to begin with was typically whenever people tell me something's bad, I want to look at it and see if they're right. And I want to challenge whether or not it's actually bad. And people said, you know, AD&D was overcomplicated and, you know, nobody, nobody likes the old school stuff because it's too easy to die and your characters don't matter and all this kind of stuff. Uh, so I had to go and try that. And then, then I got into the OSR. Then, you know what everybody made fun of in the OSR? They made fun of Dungeon World. So you know what I tried next? <laughs> Dungeon, Dungeon World. World. 
and you know what? It's not that bad. It's uh, it's it's its own thing. It's it, I think it's important to just try try different stuff, you know, and don't knock it till you try it. Generally speaking, you know, there's there's some things I'll knock before trying, but RPGs are generally not one of them. Hmm. If you ever hear me speaking ill of something I haven't seen or played or anything like that, generally what I am knocking is the fans of that thing. I'll, I'll put that out there. Uh, like, I I have never really been interested in BTS and having listened to one or being forced at gunpoint by Google to listen to one of their songs oh, God. Uh, on loop in one of their commercials. I don't particularly care for it, but I was rolling my eyes at them before I ever heard one song because of their fans. And it's the same with some of those RPGs. So I'll put that out there. <laughs> yeah. You know, people, people will turn you off on certain things. And I think that's why the OSR does get a bad rap sometimes is because mm. that effect does play into uh, some, some people's experiences. You know, they'll, they'll, they'll have their conversation about their, their favorite tiefling bard and how much they love that character. And then there'll be somebody, you know, from my neck of the woods, that's going to say, wow, y'all are stupid. You know, this <laughs> character is ridiculous. Like, you know, you made a deal with the devil or you, you've got, you've got, you know, the, you've got devil blood in you. So like, why, why would you be accepted by the rest of the com you know, community or whatever? And then they're like, oh my God, you know, that, that's what people are like over there. You know, uh, it's, uh, you will have those, those things happen. And I will say that, um, if, if you, if you turn away some of those things just because of uh, those kinds of bad experiences, then you might miss out on something neat. But on the other hand, sometimes you can look at something like just a very brief glimpse and say, that's not for me. And that's fine. Yeah. I can, I can pull that off. The big thing for me was I had tried, I had tried a combat heavy game. I had tried at that, at, at that point, an old school game. And then here was the, the, the narrativist game. And that was, I was like, okay, I need to try that at least once and see what happens. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and honestly, um, just that's, that's the best advice I can give to anyone. It, and even RPGs are a hobby where uh, so many of us buy books we never play. So even like just, get the PDF and read the book at the very least uh, before you throw stones. That's, yeah. that's all we're asking. A hundred percent. I mean, there, there are a ton of really cool mechanical resolutions and concepts that you can pull from games that you'll never even touch. Mm -hmm. Like you'll never, you'll never sit at the table and actually use that game. But you know, there are things that you can pull from, from just, you know, some little scribbling that one of these, uh, these, pretentious game designers wrote down that actually sparks your imagination and gives you an idea for how to handle a situation that you wouldn't have thought of otherwise. And then next thing you know, your game is more enriched for having, you know, had that, uh, that exposure. Hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Like one thing, uh, even just reading three, two, one action and uh, rocket to Russia that John McGuire just put out, I took the idea of uh, fill a plot hole in two sentences and you can do it as long as it makes sense. I took that and I'm going to use that in my games. 
regardless of the situation. If you can, if you can explain to me how you're able to do something or why you should, especially in like a DCC context where skills are not uh, strictly codified, if you can give me two sentences why you should be able to roll that uh, as a trained skill check, and it tracks with me, then yeah, we're mm-hmm. gonna we're gonna do that. And uh, you know that came from three two one action, which I have not uh run yet i hope to run it someday yeah yeah i get the feeling you know it's 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 hard to get those games together sometimes and you know we're not gonna it's it's a sad reality like i had purchased i don't know i cannot remember which book it was but i was like i I looked back at my catalog of books and i was thinking okay how many have i played over the last year and then it's like okay maybe like three out of all of these, yep. those those are the ones I've actually gotten to sit down and play a full campaign of, and I'm like, and now I have like 18 more, so that's like six more years, and that's if I were to play all of them and be a very ardent little heart little hobbyist. So like there there is just legitimately a point where it's just physically freaking impossible yep. to be able to play all these games, but you can still learn from a lot of them. And one last piece of advice to leave for those of you who are going to be trying an OSR game for the first time. Uh, as uh, Fictive Fun pointed out here in chat, uh, character gen is very fast in OSR games. There's a reason behind that. Uh, you can show up with a seven-page backstory if you really, really want to. Uh, but your GM is going to look at it and laugh. And when that character is set on fire in a funnel, just because I'm assuming you're going to play DCC because that's what we've been talking about this whole time. When your your farmer who picked up a sword gets set on fire by something in, in the dungeon and you're like, but seven page backstory. Remember what I told you. <laughs> yeah, you shouldn't even give them names yeah. if, if you're playing a DCC funnel. Don't give them a but... name until they survive. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. If they get if they get through the funnel. And I will I will say if anybody that looks at DCC, uh don't look at the funnel and think that that is the game because that is it is a cool and fun gimmick. It's a full it's a cool way to create a character and have a shared history with the rest of your party uh that unfolded at the table and turns out really interesting. Uh but at the same time, the greatness of the system doesn't fully come into play until level one at the bare minimum because then you start getting a taste for what makes it really awesome and uh it just gets better and better and better oh yeah oh yeah cool so as per usual uh as we reach the end of our time here i'm gonna turn this over to you to you know tell everyone where they can find you uh social media all that stuff so aaron go ahead uh you you talked about the the shows that you do but and everything else the floor is yours so, uh, you can find me on YouTube, Aaron the Pedantic. Um, I don't remember what my URL is, but uh, if you search for Aaron the Pedantic, I'm pretty sure you'll find me. Um, otherwise, I also am technically on Twitch, but I usually don't use it unless I'm streaming video game streams, which I don't do terribly often. I just do it every now and then. Um, you can find me on Twitter. It's at C-H-A, like charisma, underscore N-E-G, like negative. Uh, so at C-H-A, underscore N-E-G. 
so that's my Twitter where you can find a lot of stuff there. And um, then it's uh, Aaron.rpa.blogspot. Wait, Aaron RP. Hold on. <laughs> AaronRPA.blogspot.com. That's my blog. Awesome. Awesome. And I cannot wait to jump into the chat of one of your live streams. I just hope I can catch one on time uh, to, to do so. I'm a terrible, terrible streamer. I stream at completely random times and nobody knows when it's going to happen until right before it happens. Usually. <laughs> so awesome. like uh, literally what I will do is, uh, oh, my Discord. People should check out my Discord because uh, that's uh, basically, you know, we have an, an OSR Discord. Uh, we we have a rule, you know, people do not discuss any kind of politics or anything like that on the Discord. We're just there to talk about games. Um, and people can find a link to that in on my channel, uh, my YouTube channel, in the link in the description in a lot of my videos. Um, and if you go on there, then you know we run public games on there, and uh, occasionally we don't do a whole lot, but that's where I'm going to be running my Greyhawk game, and we talk about a lot of games. And um, occasionally I invite people that are on the Discord to join in on the streams. So uh, a lot of times what will happen is I'll just tag people that have a certain uh, role in the server and then I'll, I'll just say hey who wants to join my stream today and then you know we'll we'll get one person or we'll get five people or we'll get ten you know just you never know so we have fun though awesome I need to jump on the discord yeah um, definitely I I have a tendency to look at discord and just like start twitching because I'm a person who doesn't like to see lots of notifications and there's no getting around that on Discord, but I, I do like a good, uh, healthy Discord community where everyone's just there to talk about gaming. So, yeah, occasionally I gotta, I gotta, you know, put the foot down, you know, Lady Dimitrescu style. But uh, for the most part, you know, they they're they're pretty good about managing themselves. Awesome. Well, Aaron, it's been great having you on the show. I've really enjoyed this conversation. I hope we can, you know, do something like this again at some point. Um, just to let everyone know what's coming up here in the immediate future, uh, next week, uh, David Beatty from Stiff Whisker Press is going to be on to talk again about Weird Frontiers. Uh, so for anyone in chat who is unfamiliar with Weird Frontiers, it is DCC with a Weird West flavor to it. So if you want to run Dungeon Crawl Classics, but Cowboys, Weird Frontiers is your game. I've had my eye on that. It is, it's a ton of fun. It it really is like a, a really cool system. Um, it's it's got a lot of Lovecraft influence, a lot of direct Lovecraft influence. It is a fantastic uh, Weird West game, though. Yep, he'll have to shut up and take my money. <laughs> Absolutely. And then at some point, sometime in the near future, hopefully this week, but who knows. I will be doing an unboxing of Batman the Animated Series Adventures. I've got it behind me. You can see the very top of one of the boxes just over my shoulder. Uh, but we'll be taking a look at that because God knows I haven't made enough videos on it. And that Kickstarter was long and brutal for a lot of people. So we are going to discuss it some point in the future. And the last thing to shout out is uh, this Friday I'm going to be recording with Luau Lu and company on This Old Dungeon. Uh, 
I will let you guys know when that goes up because it's a podcast, not a live show, but that's going to be happening this weekend. And to let everyone know uh, what's coming up there, the topic is Dark Sun and Dungeon Crawl Classics will be brought up again. So that's what we got going uh, for all you boneheads out there. Until then, guys, whether you rolled a 1 or a 20, I am so glad that you rolled your bones with me, Ryan Howard, and I will see you guys next time. Peace out, everybody.